everyone. I'm Hope Lehman. I'm Camila Richardson. And I'm Marisol Catchings. And welcome to Just Be, a podcast by and for Black women entrepreneurs. Let's get it cracking. show today we're about to connect with and continue our conversation about uh, um, us having power as black folks and as women um, black women so but first how y'all doing what's up it's Camila I'm doing good this Hope. is <laughs> didn't like my intro but I want to keep going how are you Madi I'm great <laughs> you know today's a wonderful day I'm ready to get into all of these you know wonderful facts and Okay, so today we are going to talk about the one and only Madam C.J. Walker. Camila has some awesome information for us, and I am ready to get into this. How are y'all feeling? I'm so excited to share all this information that I found out because some of her information was hidden from us. Even though we know about her, she's still kind of a hidden figure. Yeah. I need an uplift, so I'm looking forward to being uplifted. You will be uplifted today. So I wanted to start by asking you guys a question. What's up? How much <laughs> what you need? money do you think you spend on like beauty products a year? So like hair care, nails, makeup, soap, lotion, shea butter. Like how much do you think you spend on that a year? Everybody's in deep thought right now. I was like, you making me do math right now, bruh. <laughs> nah, I just, I mean, like, don't judge me, y'all, for my answer, but, like, I don't really buy makeup. I buy, like, mascara, but that's, like, once a year. Okay. And I'm like, what about your lovely locks? <laughs> your oh, yeah, oh, okay, I do buy Cantu for my hair. Probably, like, 50 bucks for, like, the whole year between, like, soap and hair stuff and pahoba, which lasts, like, a year. Yeah, I'm not fancy. That's pretty impressive. You get your nails done, eyebrows waxed. No, my boo and I went to get pedicures this weekend, and, like, he paid for it. So does that count? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so maybe, like, $100 for the year. Then. Oh, my God. For the year? Yeah, I don't get my feet done. What, okay, wait, like, but you said you ha- you do moisturize, right? Like, what do you use for lotion? Jojoba. Or what is that? Oh, um, coconut oil. Okay, coconut oil. But a big bottle of coconut, jar of coconut oil is like five bucks. And you put that on like your hair, yeah, but your skin, your nails. Jar last year, like three months. Every three months, you gotta go buy another six dollar. Okay, I'm gonna give it like one fifty. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I'm impressed. I need to be on your budget. Well, and I'm impressed because you got you know your hair is beautiful. All right. Yeah, I don't moisturize it every day though, like a every three day thing. 
What about you, Hope? I don't really spend too much time on beauty products. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I'm not a big makeup person, thank God. I feel like I've gone in and out of that world, and it's bad to get pulled in because it's an expensive world to be pulled into. But I don't mess with foundation. I don't got time for that. <laughs> There's, like, no way. I could not yeah. imagine being an entrepreneur, having a face routine. Oh, my God. Um, I do, I have mascara and eyeliner when I'm feeling fancy. Um, and then I do love lipstick. And that's about it when it comes to makeup. Oh, chapstick. You ha- I have to have chapstick. Sometimes I have panic have attacks. <laughs> I don't have chapstick. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my lips are trapped. My hair situation is real because I'm realizing I need to moisturize it. So I have um, sulfate-free shampoo, conditioner, paraben-free conditioner, deep conditioner, and a leave-in. I have to have a leave-in. And then I just discovered that oil, olive oil or coconut oil, locks in the moisture. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I usually have that for the house to cook with, <laughs> but now it has become a hair product. Oh, yeah. And a moisturizer as well. So yeah. I use coconut oil for everything. Yeah, shout out to coconut oil real quick because <laughs> I use coconut oil for everything. I use it for my hair, for my nails, mm-hmm. for my skin. Yep. And if I run out of olive oil, I will use it to cook. I use it for my teeth, too. It's great to, coconut's great to cook with. It's really delicious, coconut oil. Cooking with it gives everything oil. the coconut flavor, though. Not for me. I yeah, I taste it. Mm. I don't taste it. The, so how much? How much do you think? Oh, that I don't cost? know. The leave-in I'm using right now is actually with Madam C.J. Walker's line. Hi. So I guess we'll talk about that connection. So, anyways, <laughs> long story short is I've used hella leave-ins. I'm sure I spent hella money on the situation, but um, I really do like the Madam C.J. Walker line with the curl milk. As my leave-in right now, um, the texture's good. It's not too oily, and it actually has coconut oil in it, and then I also lock it in with coconut oil. But I I usually have one leave-in that I like. Like, once I find something, I'm <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to. Yeah. It's, yeah. like, sacred. Mm-hmm. But that is a $28, $26 a bottle Lord. for eight ounces. <laughs> Oof. So it's not a game. Like, it's it's I have to drop that once a month. Mm. So if I was it's like, hey honestly, girl, can I borrow some of your hair, uh, Carol? No, you can't borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to go pay your little $26. You'll just be dry today. Or get a sample. <laughs> I give you a dollop. No, if I'm being honest, I think I probably need to buy that thing twice a month now. Wow. But if I combine it with a deep conditioner, maybe it's not so bad. I don't know. I can't leave the house without it. One of the things for high porosity here is you, it's like, it's like a no-no. Do not leave the house without a leave-in. But I've known that since forever. Even before I learned how to moisturize my hair, I always had a leave-in. Wow. So, anyways, long story short is, I don't know, I probably spent a cool G, which I'm sure is still under other people. A year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like a cool G. If I could, Because I also do love pedicures, and then sometimes I go through my nail phase where I need to be high femme. Yeah, I go through my phases, too. I probably spend about 1000 a year on... Hair, skin, nails, product, tools. I haven't bought bought a flat iron or anything in a long time, but my hair dryer did just bust out on my ass the other day, so I will Ooh. have to buy another one. How of much those. is a hair dryer? I'm what like, kind of I'm like curious if I need one. Like sit under? Or no, like, I would love one that you could sit under, but I'm talking about just wait, like a you, hand you for like 30 bucks. hair dryer. Do you sit under? Oh, I have oh, a hair dryer. I'm talking about the sitting one. Don't you have one? Mm-hmm. Y'all want to do hair day at oh. my house? 
Oh, I would love a sitting here. And you always spend $150 a year? You have well, no. I can, I, okay, so I grew up, I have this hair. My mother is Mexican, and so she's like, I need to learn how to do your hair because your hair is much different than mine. And so she sat at the bar, at the hair shop with me and would watch exactly what everyone did. And so she learned how to do it. So she would always, I mean, like, I go in for my deep conditions. But she would always straighten my hair for me. And so then I learned how to do my hair. So if I'm going to straighten my hair, I just do it myself. I'm lazy, so I just leave. Like, if I can't do my hair in two minutes, <laughs> I'm upset. And so I just leave it, like, however it is. Oh. So, yeah, I don't I don't spend money on... And then I do my feet all the time. So you I'm do your fancy. deep conditions on your own now? Or do you go and have someone? No, I do my deep conditions out Because I have the little hair dryer now. I can just sit under it and just read. Mm. And... Get myself must pedicures and have low porosity hair. No, I'm just kidding. Nah, my hair sucks up moisture. Like, oh yeah, mine yeah. But too. low porosity just doesn't mean that you don't suck in moisture. It means that you're you have to use heat to get the moisture in, and once it's in, it stays in forever. No, it doesn't do that. Well, yeah, we spend. Well, Hope and I spend <laughs> a lot of money on hair products. Um, I just want to throw out a few statistics here. Black women are the most powerful consumers because they are three times more likely to be head of household. Um, So we actually have more spending power than a lot of other communities because we are the head of households. Mm -hmm. And then black women in particular spend an estimated $7.5 billion annually on beauty products. 7.5? 7.5 billion on beauty products. I am not surprised. Shelling out 80% more on cosmetics and twice as much more on skincare as non-black counterparts. Okay, now I have a question. <laughs> Cuz wait, 80% more on makeup? On cosmetics? On yes. cosmetics. Okay, yeah. well, that's deep. We can get into that in a Ooh. second. Yeah, yeah. that's deep. Ooh. I just, a quick thing about the skincare, though, that is interesting is that I feel like black folks or melanated people have better skin. We do have better skin. So why are we... Because we, we use, because we use, like, lotions and things daily. Oh, okay. But Whereas I was imagining, like, like all that people don't acne use Wait, the, is that cosmetic related? Yeah, lotion. Yeah, lotion, yeah, moisturizing, yeah. yeah. Okay, but... So you're not specifically talking about just makeup. Well, no, we're 80%, we spend 80% more on cosmetics and then twice as much more on skincare. Okay, well, I guess the skincare makes sense if we're moisturizing, but I keep imagining... We can't be ashy out in these streets. Well, yeah. (laughs) I keep imagining, like, proactive, and I'm like, dang, black people don't need no proactive. I mean, some of us might, but... I did use proactive. It leaves some some green stuff in your skin. It's nasty. Don't use proactive. No, I know some black women who have had to... Skincare is definitely, like, an issue with them. Like, they have to see an esthetician once a month. Um, Yeah. But the cosmetics thing is deep, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a lot. I don't know if they're... Like, is it compared to, like, the rest of the yeah. U.S.? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what do they Like, if, if you were to have a black woman and a white woman and, like, an, an Asian woman or and a Latina woman, that the black woman would be more like 80% more likely to go buy makeup. That's what right. I was trying to say. Right. Which, I'm not... I mean, there's a cultural thing around that, and I, I admire it. I really love it, and I feel a little jelly sometimes that I can't... I try to, even when I try to replicate it, I just feel so bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it just oh doesn't work. God. I 
can't put makeup on for shit. <laughs> or even or even if I go to Sephora and I'm like, yeah, someone do my face today. Like, I mm-hmm. leave feeling very like, oh, shit. Like, it needs to look natural. Like, I can't mm-hmm. be extra. Like, it needs to blend in really well. But I, I don't know. I think that's deep. My therapist and I were talking about, like, what makeup means. I, I kind of see makeup, it, it can be an, an as an art form as well as a masking. You can be on either side of it. I don't know. Yeah. For me, that's kind of Well, maybe that's maybe we need to save it as a future topic for an episode because yeah. I think there's a lot to unpack there. There, there is, is a lot. There is. And just one more statistic, uh black women spend about 500 million on hair care alone. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, a uh, 500 million isn't necessarily spent on just products, it's spent on like beauty shops or things like that. Like I have friends who have good incomes, they get their hair done once a week. At a beauty salon. Uh, but their natural hair or they buy extra hair? Uh, They don't wear their hair naturally. They no, no, have, no, I mean like do they're getting it straightened but are they adding hair or is no, it just their no, hair? No, not, add, not adding hair. Okay. But they have a short hairstyle mm-hmm. so she gets it done once mm-hmm. a week. But then if you were to consider, now that I think about it, 500 million makes sense because if you think about all the hair that black women buy... You mean you talking As about well? you talking about extensions? Extensions, yes. yeah. So if you think about all the hair that black women buy, getting black women getting their hair done, all the products and tools and this and that or whatever, yeah, I see how five hundred million dollars could add up. Dang. Yeah, because like when I was getting my hair straightened, it would be like once. Well, I'd go like once a month. I'd spend a week just curly. It was like. Like seventy five dollars yeah. every time I would go. Mm-hmm. I used to get my hair done twice a month, and it was one hundred and twenty dollars every time. Yeah, it was two hundred and forty times twelve. Interesting. Okay, I'm asking really quick question. <laughs> like it's burning inside <laughs> me. Yeah. Do you feel like Do you feel like our society though, because of racism, puts a lot of social pressure on Black women to look a particular way, which then forces us to do these things weekly, monthly, to look a certain way. Hashtag slavery. Damn, she brought slavery up again. Come on, she it's like no, it. no, absolutely, it absolutely has something to do with us needing to feeling like we need to get our hair done, feeling like we have to be like presentable to everyone, like whatever our idea of presentable is. But it's definitely that. Okay, because I just think culturally, like folks with straight hair or like white folks could just like pop out the house and be ready. But like, like my stepmom will hide in the back room, like no one could see her mm-hmm. <laughs> until she is done. Yeah, until and she's ready done. to be seen. And I feel like, you know, I just didn't experience that. I feel like on the, my on my white side of my family, I didn't really experience that so much. My mom was also very. My mom and I used to play this game called "Who Has the Craziest Morning Hair Game," mm-hmm. which is like, <laughs> no, it's actually a really fun game. It makes it warms my heart. It makes me like emotional every time I think about it because I didn't realize how fucking revolutionary that was. You know, like literally, because we'd all all our hair be sticking up, like me and my siblings, and you'd be like, ah. And, you know, my mom's hair would be sticking up, too. But, like, my mom had, people had told told her to take out her braids when she worked for the state. They sent a black person to do that, mind you. All the white people were like, can you go tell, can you please go tell Miss Dawn that she's got to take out her braids? And my mom put it in a weave and a press. Yeah, my dad, when I was looking for a job, for jobs, Mm -hmm. like, before my business, um, my dad was like, you need to straighten your hair before you go. Oh. I have my hair curly. My curls are popping. My curls are popping. They are popping. They my are. Popping. <laughs> I was like, they we are. can vouch for it. And my dad was like, no, maybe you should go in with your hair straightened. That way you don't intimidate anybody with your hair. Ooh, and I was what? like, I don't want to work there if they don't like my curls. Damn that. 
Right. That's how I feel. I still, my homegirls, I have homegirls that still do that, though. They, the, my interview hair, or oh, even, right. like, my mentor has locks, and they had a, they put up, they did, like, an updo for their locks, and they are like, oh, my interview lock hair. Mm. It's so deep. Anyway. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you on that, though. I don't, I don't think that all black women who are into hair and makeup are going, or have, like, self-esteem issues from slavery. I truly think that some black women can just be into hair and makeup. And I'm, I'm still not, yeah, I have hear high you. self-esteem. Like, I'm I not saying know. just because we recognize that there's oppression does not mean you have low self-esteem. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't... I didn't get that from what you said. Yeah, but I don't necessarily think that if we spend a lot of money on this particular thing, it's because of oppression. I think there are some things you can spend a lot of money on just because you like that thing. Yeah, right? I hear you. I mean... To be honest, like I, I've, I used to press my hair a little bit back in the day, and I think it, and you know, I do enjoy makeup. I do like lipstick and all that. I think that the negotiation, though, for me is that it's a, it's a yes and. It's a, it's a kind of like a double consciousness. Like I can't. It, it's the same for like I feel like sexism too, right? And wanting to be sexy. Like I can't. I can acknowledge that I love this thing and that it's still a part of a power structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think that it's, it's. Yes, we are talking about black women, and yes, it does happen in the black community, definitely. But I think overall, women are given the the idea that, you know, how they look naturally mm-hmm. is, like, not enough. And so I think that plays a part. Even though when you do put makeup on and your lipstick is popping, you do look good and you feel good about yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I do feel like there's, yeah, there's, a, nothing, there's two there's sides no, to it. There's no judgment. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But I, for me, I'm like, I have to acknowledge that there's still something at play, and I need to be aware of it because I'm trying mm. to disrupt it. And, you know, make it, make it, like, it enhances what you already have, right? Right. Instead right. of, like, the messages that my sisters and I get from, you know, like, these cultural things, I, like, just, I have to make sure I disrupt things in the family, and I know I'm going to do that with my kids. Yeah. You know, like, they can, they can do however they want, but I, you know, I want them to realize it's enhancing them, like, they're fine no matter what. Like, you are, you have value just as you are, mm-hmm. and whatever you decide to get into is, like, just making that times 5,000 fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. shout out to your mom for making crazy hair morning. Yeah. Because that is so cute. I'm about to take that and like Yay! keep it in a little box until I have babies. Yay. Crazy hair morning. <laughs> Do it. Do it. It's revolutionary. That's what's up. tell you guys a little bit about Madam C.J. Walker, who was America's first woman self-made millionaire. Not America's first black woman self-made millionaire. America's first woman self-made millionaire. She just happened to be black. That's right. (laughs) You got to know the difference. Yeah, word. Um, So Madam C.J. Walker was born December 23rd in 1867, as she was the first person in her family to be born not a slave. Um, So both her parents were slaves, all her siblings were slaves, but she was the first person in her family to be born outside of slavery. Um, Both of her parents died by the age of seven, 
for her, so she was an orphan at the age of seven. At that time, uh, she moved to Vicksburg, Mississippi, where she worked as a domestic and lived with her sister and her brother-in-law, who people have claimed uh, abuse against her. Um, and they think that's why she married so quickly at the age of 14, because she got married at the age of 14. And then she also, after her marriage, had her first child at the age of 18. Um, so she was a mother. Uh, but two years after her daughter was born, her first husband actually passed away, leaving her to be a single mother. So with her daughter, she packed up her daughter and moved to Denver, Colorado. From Mississippi <laughs> to the Wild Wild West. From Mississippi to the Wild Wild West. Um, and in Denver, Colorado is where she also married her second husband. But while living in Colorado, she suffered a scalp ailment that caused her to lose almost all of her hair at that time. And in Colorado, her brothers were barbers. Mm. And so she reached out to them about making some kind of product that would help her from losing her hair. Mm-hmm. That would stimulate growth. That would stimulate growth. So she consulted with them, and they came up with a product um, that they made from home remedies. I love the idea of home remedies. I don't know why. Just mm-hmm. like. I mean, that's what everything is originally. And then yeah. it gets packaged, mass-produced, and it's no longer... You know, all, all the, the all nasty the, stuff in it. Yeah, but all the stuff that goes inside of stuff comes from planet Earth. So, yeah. It comes from somewhere. And that's also how a lot of businesses are started. It's like, oh, I had a problem for myself, so I made this thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you or know. I wanted to express this, so I did this. Right. Well. Exactly. Exactly. I just want to know that it's fresh that there have been black people in, in Denver, Colorado since <laughs> the beginning of time. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Yes, there were black people in Denver, Colorado at that time. Um, And at that time, she also began to work with another woman who made uh, hair care products, and her name was Annie Malone. Now, I just want to put this out there. There's a little controversy between Annie Malone and Madam C.J. Walker um, because it is thought that Annie Malone might actually have been America's first self-made woman millionaire. Mm. Um, But Madam C.J. Walker did work for her. Mm. And so it's a little controversy about that. Um, So at that time, she began uh, making products, and she went all across the country selling her products, teaching women how to use her hair care products. And she found out that other black women also had the same problem that she had where their hair was falling out. Mm -hmm. One thing that I really liked, I saw a picture of one of her very first products uh, that she made is she put a picture of herself on the jar. It was like a little tin can. Mm -hmm. And they think that was so important because at the time there were hair care products that were being targeted to black women and being made for black women, but none of them had a black woman on the cover. Which I find 
Okay, I understand well, what, for the what period. What did they have? Yeah, on the what cover? did they have? They had a white woman, gently with long flowing hair, but they but the products were for like straightening and detangling and things like that that were for black women, but they would have a white woman on the cover. Yeah. Like I I understand for the time, but like that that just seems like, in this day and age, could you imagine that? Yeah, it was like, so, like, those covers were, like, feeding into black women's insecurities, where Madam C.J.'s Walker, Madam C.J. Walker's was, like, showing them black beauty, like, black woman as a beautiful, strong woman. Yeah. So, she is the reason why we can't think of that in this day and age. <laughs> Why we can't think of what? Why we can't think of uh, white women being on the, you know, on the the display part of the product. Yeah, although, I mean, you said this day and age, we already talked about shea butter. Well, we talked, yeah, shea shea moisture. moisture. (laughs) Shea butter's great. We talked about shea moisture. But I do think that that, that's deep because I do think it still has relevance for today around making a Mm -hmm. black product into a wider audience. Granted, back then, were the white women using the, those products? No, Probably not. No, what they were so, using for? No, they were actually <laughs> products for black women, but they had white women on the cover. Like, this is something I know, you should aspire to. I know, but a white woman knew not to buy that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to clarify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because nowadays, it's like, you can have access to everything. Whereas back then, if you put a chemical on your hair to straighten it, as a white woman, that'd be terrible. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. It's gone. It's gone. After yeah, that. like no your hair you. is off exactly. your head. Exactly. So it's a, you know what I mean? Like I just want to be clear. Like oh shit. At that time, she was traveling all over America selling her product, and she came up with the Walker system for anti hair loss. Mm. Um, so she was teaching women about her products and also how to use her products. It was around that time that she started hiring, or not hiring, but she started training women to sell her products and uh, show other women how to use her products properly. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I thought was so important because she invented a sales model that is still used today. That people were not doing at that time. Mm-hmm. Nobody was assembling a sales team and then teaching them how to sell the product and then putting putting them on their own path to sell it mm-hmm. at that time. And then she so took, is that like she Avon? Took, exactly. That's like Avon and Mary Kay. Exactly. And then she took a percentage though, right? And she took a percentage. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the context of that era, too, is like it's a captive market because everything is segregated and there's no real support for black women at all in hair care. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, I'm just thinking about, I just like, my brain is literally like thinking about back in the day. (laughs) Like my brain is transporting. Also, her traveling the country is bananas. I just want to name that. Because I think in this era, it's, like, easy to be like, yeah, you just hop in a plane. Because, you know, no, you hop in a horse and carriage and a train and mm-hmm. maybe a plane if you have access to that. But traveling the country nah. back then is not, is, da- is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And That's they, a big deal. I'm they, impressed. And they said she went everywhere. She went to churches. She went to schools. She went to all the communities in the Deep South. Traveled all the communities in the Deep South. Um selling her products and demonstrating her scalp treatments. 
all over, which I thought was um, pretty amazing. So in 1908, she uh, moved to Pittsburgh, where she opened a college to train hair culturists. Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania? Yes. Is it still open now? Uh, no. But that was her first school that she um, opened. And then in early 1910, she settled in Indianapolis and she built her factory for her products. And then also opened a manicure salon and other training schools as well. Madam C.J. Walker is dope. She's awesome. She was so dope. So there she trained other women on the Walker system and methods of grooming um, designed to promote hair care growth and conditioning the scalp through the use of her products. And that's why I think this is important because all my life, I was taught that she invented the hot comb. Mm Mm-hmm. Did she create the hot comb? No. Oh, she didn't create it at all. At all. She had nothing to do with that. Oh. Her products were about scalp treatments. And like more and moisturizer. And moisturizer. And then eventually as her business grew, she made like pomades and things like that. But she had nothing to do with perms. Oh. And nothing to do with hot combs. So Mm. it was like a natural hair product? Is it safe to say? No. I don't. I wouldn't say natural hair product. Why? What was, what was in the? Was the product well, still? The, no, because like people weren't wearing their hair naturally. They were just trying to tame it and get it straightened and manage, so it's still manageable. that still was the goal of the product. Not necessarily to straighten it. It was to keep your hair from falling out. All right, Matthew, <laughs> yeah, but it was for black women. We might have know, to check keep it there. But it was for black women. Well, I do the, think it's important. I do like the clarification that it's not. It wasn't like a press thing. It was a scalp no. treatment. Is like my brain is like, oh, that's like totally different. And mm-hmm. in her book, they are very serious that they want people to know that that she had nothing to do with a hot comb that, I mean, or that's, perms. Mm-hmm. Misinformation is real for our history. Yeah, I don't know why that like made me feel some kind of way when I found that out. I was like, what? I mean, I just knew that she did hair stuff. I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't hear anything about hot comb. To be honest, I don't. I, I heard like perms and like yeah, maybe something about chemical perms. straighteners. Yeah, I was also very impressed with just her business model. Like you said, that was Mary Kay's business model. That was Avon's business model. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really want to go for a reach, you could even say that's Uber and Lyft's business model today. You don't have to break it down for us. Or maybe not Uber and Lyft, but definitely, like, there's a company called Stella and Dot where they have, like, independent jewelry sales consultants and things like that. But it's the same model. Mm-hmm. They supply you with the product. They help you. You buy the product. You buy the product. Oh, with, with the Jewelry Dot and with Mary Kay. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to front your own money. And then sell it. Okay. And then, but I think with Tupperware. I think, going, I think going back with Uber and Lyft, I think there is a still connection with the contracting. Because the idea is that you're a contractor. Right. And a contractor means that I'm my own business and I work for this company and give them a percentage of what I make. Yeah. That model, I think exactly. that's a connection there. I helped you out. Thank you. Thank you. No, because, no, well, as I was researching this and I was like, oh, okay, so she did this for Avon. She did this for Mary Kay. And then I was like, you were with me when I said it. I was like, oh, my God. This sales model is being used today with Uber and Lyft or with Stella and Dot. And contra- sh- contractor, yeah. If the contractor, you're your own business, mm-hmm. you're in charge of your destiny. We'll just 
supply you with the tools that you need. Madam C.J. Walker moved to New York in 1916, um, where she then hired a gentleman whose name was Vertner Tandy. He was the first uh, licensed black architect in New York and founding member of Alpha Phi Alpha. The Alphas? Like the Alphas? Like the Alphas. All right. Um, She commissioned him to design a house for her in Irvington, Hudson, New York, and that house is still there today, and it was... It's it's an estate and it's beautiful and if we ever go to the East Coast, y'all like field trip, field trip for real. There's also one other thing that I wanna mention that I think is important. So in 1917, she organized a national convention to help her top sales agents. This was the first national meeting of business women in the country. Wow. She organized. The first national business women convention that America has ever had. That's pretty wow. awesome. That's amazing. You should see Camila's face right now. I really <laughs> Camila's, Camila's face is like, she's like freaking out. Well, when I found that out, I was like, oh my God. She was the first person to bring black women, not even just black women. She was the first person to bring women entrepreneurs together in a convention. Mm-hmm. That's dope. That is dope. She needs so <laughs> much more credit, man. She needs way more. And all this time, people have been telling you she made a hot comb. Mm-hmm. So this conference, like I said, is believed to have been the first national gathering of women entrepreneurs to discuss business and commerce. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, it's a huge big deal about the with the history of women not being able to actually own anything. And then as a black woman to be like, go from being owned to owner. And, right. And, and, you know, women did not have property back then either. Women were considered property men anyways. Right. So, right. right. But then for your family to have actually been property. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're the first person born in that family to not be considered property. Right. And then to hire the first black architect and have him build this estate for you. To assemble the first national women's convention of entrepreneurs to talk Mm -hmm. business and commerce. That's amazing. So you know how, like, back in the day, everyone would, and people still do now, right? You have a picture of Barack Obama, like, in your house. Like, maybe we need, in our future office, we need a picture of Madam C.J. Walker. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, But the one thing that I also like about Madam C.J. Walker's story is that she was also very um, engaged in political activism. So in July 1917, when a white mob murdered more than three dozen uh, blacks in East St. Louis, Walker joined a group of Harlem leaders who visited the White House to present a petition advocating federal anti-lynching legislation. And it was said that at her conference, she encouraged all the women, there were over 200 black women there, and she encouraged and asked all of them to send a telegram to President Wilson to advocate for this new legislation, making lynching a federal crime. Did it get passed? Do we know? Yes, it did. It made it it a federal crime. she was an amazing entrepreneur. Yeah, she was like a pioneer. 
And she was an activist. And she was an activist. And so while they're at this conference, like, meeting about entrepreneurship and commerce, she has all these women send a telegram to the president. So that was in 1917. And sadly, she died two years later um, at her estate. Do you know how old she was? Yeah, so she died at the age of 51 in 1919. What I thought stood out was... uh, Someone wrote a letter to her one time, and it was a woman. And in the letter, it said, you, make, you made it possible for me to make more money in one day working for myself than I would have made for a whole month working for a white family. Mm. And she thanked Madam C.J. Walker. Yeah, well, that's the level we're trying to be on. Well, right? Granted, white <laughs> folks have a lot more money these days. I was like, I'm not going to lie. But it's possible. I mean, she was the first person in her family to be born non-slave. And died a millionaire at age 51. America's first woman self-made millionaire. That is an amazing woman. (laughs) I'm trying to be like her. All right, you guys. So digest all of that. (laughs) And we'll be right back to talk about your feelings on it. All the feels. I did my homework. Now I want to know your feels. Your feels? Your feelings. Um, how do you feel about learning that about Madam C.J. Walker? Wait, first, how do you feel about knowing that your whole life you were taught that she invented a hot comb and a perm, and now you find out that that's not true? My first reaction is that she's, like, super fucking dope. But second reaction is, like, I feel like this is a part of how black people who have accomplished things in the United States are definitely treated. Like, their contributions to whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, their their inventions and what we use today is, is downplayed. It's not, you know, they're not credited for those things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this definitely shows exactly that, is that, you know, she's done all of these amazing things, been a pioneer, and an activist, and we don't acknowledge any of that about her existence and her creation of this this empire. That that makes me upset. So I'm really excited about hearing and learning all of this, but then it also makes me upset that such a legacy is is forgotten and put aside when she's contributed so much. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating. I feel like, I mean, American Black culture is American culture is the United States of America. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I think we, I mean, like, I don't think America would look or feel the way it did, like, if we weren't here. I don't, I, but, but, you know, it's black history. It's separate. No, like, we're literally no, in the we fabric. Are the foundation. And, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, you take a population with so much resiliency and fortitude to survive something so terrible and painful in slavery and that they create these fabulous things and innovation and invention. And when I am in entrepreneurship spaces where they talk about, you know, ideation and thinking deeply, you know, some of the most beautiful things have come out of the struggle, part, partly out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, maybe that's terrifying, the, the power structure. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed, and I, I think for me I have to remember 
I have to put on my history cap. I call it my history cap because I think it's easy to just, even for me now to process that information, like, well, what does that mean back in the day? Because I think I'm processing it as an entrepreneur now in 2017, mm-hmm. but back in the day, like, like the day, to, like a day that right. I have no concept for except right. in like black and white films. Like someone is doing that? Right. Yeah, yeah like is, is just like, oh, snap. Like the level of confidence and and fortitude, which is like courage in the face of like, like danger, mm-hmm. and ultimate failure. It's kind of like you have to give like no fucks, and that, that's what I'm trying to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you have do. a calling. Like I have a calling. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. If you don't like that, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And if I, you know, and and this may put me in danger. Like when we talked about Black Wall Street last session, like people were murdered for having that level of like success. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's like, I still don't care. Yeah. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I was just so inspired. And when I found out, like, all the things that she was the first at, and not, it was none of the things that I had been taught, I was like, I felt like she's she was put out there, but her facts were still kind of, like, hidden figured. That's deep. Like, well, we know the figure, but the facts and the details are hidden. Right, exactly. Or um, distorted. And I, I love that she um, still was politically involved um, mm-hmm. after she became successful. And I kind of think it's badass that she kind of required her sales team to get a little politically involved, too. I mean, I think, I guess my comment on that is that I think it's a misnomer that black folks are not by nature political, like, naturally. Like, I don't, I would argue that I don't think it's actually, I don't really think there's a choice. I think that, I think we've always been like that. Like, that's just my perspective and in the stories and the history I've heard. Like, being black is political. Yeah, and I think people had to engage in some way or another. Maybe it wasn't, some people weren't public about it. But in an oppressive system, you have to kind of, I mean, unless you're directly contributing to it, you you know what I mean? No, I, I definitely agree that everybody was politically involved. But when you are taught about political leaders, even in our own history, they don't show you Madam C.J. Walker. Okay. They showed you that she invented a hot comb. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's... So they're like watering down the power. And, and they're th- watering down the power and, and not even giving it to... Uh, black women. Yes. Even like when I think of political figures in that time, I don't, I personally can't think of a face of any black woman. I can think of several black men, mm-hmm. um, but I can't think of any black woman. And they said that she even had like one of the highest donation contributions at the time, which was like $5,000 to the NAACP, which may not seem like a lot of money right now, but back then that was a lot of money for someone, for one person to donate. Yeah. I think not only like black history being erased, but the history of black women. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Like that that's a big thing. I mean going back to we're gonna we're gonna take it back a few months, right? When um Birth of a Nation came out and there were some articles around um the wife. Right. And her contribution and the mother and her contribution and those things being erased and not being talked about. Oh, with the Nat Turner story. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel I like thought, mm-hmm. I well, I maybe feel, I was confused by that, because from what I to- was 
heard about that was that in the movie they made him married, but in real life he wasn't married at all. No, he was, but I think I think that the story was very. There wasn't a lot of historical writing or anything about it because that the wife was super protected. Like he made sure that nobody knew it. Like it was a secret oh. out of safety. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So the love story was like, you know, imagined in the script. But I also read that you know his his mother and his wife were also like really really active in creating the rebellion as well Mm -hmm. and you know I don't feel like their roles were expressed or have been talked about but I feel like that just in general for black women in the United States is that like all of our contributions we are behind the men I yeah, they say, we say are, we're in front of the men. No, we are, we're so, we are in front of the men, but we're invisible in front of the men, and we're invisible behind the men. Yeah. Like, the men get the, the credit for it. And yeah, I love you, black men. I love you. I love you. But, you know, we also... But we live in a patriarchal society. Yes, we do live in a patriarchal society, and we are essentially invisible. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, I think now one of the most exciting things is, like, that shift that's happening right now culturally, I feel like, in Oakland. But, I mean, that's, like, a whole other thing. But with the Black Woman is God, the natural hair movement, like... We're taking I've, over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Black women are starting businesses the fastest. Like, we've mm-hmm. talked about this. Right, like, right. it's it's not a game anymore, and I don't think it should be seen as a threat. Like, it needs... And, and, I'm, and I'm not just, like, of course, white folks are going to see it as a threat. I'm talking about within our communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, we are in this together, but things have to shift. Like, we can't have, we can't do patriarchy anymore, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and homophobia and transphobia, that's got to go. We're not going to get free with that. Which, it sounds like Madam C.J. Walker was about. No, she definitely was. I mean, she challenged, like, gender norms of the times and was very, and it felt like very mm-hmm. just, like I said, like, I'm so, if you have a problem with it, that go do you, boo. But this mm-hmm. is what I'm doing here. Creating jobs for black women and... Yeah. Protecting, I mean, because, yes, everyone got lynched, but it's definitely still the same, right? Black men getting lynched, black men getting shot, black men being killed. And right, and creating she's space there, for black like, women in a time where, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. With, her, with her womanly voice saying, this is not okay. Right. I'm protecting black people, all black people, but especially our black men. Yeah. And just statistically for today, um, uh, women and female-bodied individuals are killed at the same rates right now. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to show that statistic. Hashtag, hashtag say her name, Kim, mm-hmm. with um, Kimberly Crenshaw. So that's something that's, again, like that movement is also speaking to the fact that we're invisible. State violence and police brutality. <laughs> So with all that, um, as I was researching this story, it dawned on me that the first black woman entrepreneur that I ever met in my life, outside of my mom, was my hairdresser Hmm. when I was growing up. And I think for a lot of black people in certain communities, that is who your first introduction to entrepreneurs. Well, Well, I won't say a lot of black people in other communities. I'll speak for myself. For myself, that was my first introduction to a black woman entrepreneur outside of my mother. Yeah, and I think, mm-hmm. I mean, hairdressers, they're not seen as, like, business folks, but exactly. they are. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't Yeah, know. and yeah. Even, even I didn't see my hairdresser as an entrepreneur until I was doing this research, and I was like, oh, my God, she was an entrepreneur. She owned a shop and paid people and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, until you business. said it. Until you said it, 
I didn't realize that either. That the first black women that I knew that owned businesses were, were hairdressers. That's awesome, and they don't get enough credit. No, they don't. Not at all. Credit to you. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Hope? Well, I, I would say that the first black woman entrepreneur I was exposed to was my mother as well. And then also my sisters and my stepmom who, like, braided hair and did nails as well. I didn't actually see them as entrepreneurs until I got older. Mm-hmm. Like, even my own mother. Honestly, I think it's been within the year. Even my own mother, I was like, oh, oh, like, you're an entrepreneur. Like, you've been an entrepreneur since, like, I can remember in different ways. It didn't mm-hmm. look the same. It didn't look like traditionally owning a business mm-hmm. at all. Um, my mother used to put on her own music shows um, and do music in her own was building her own magazine, her periodical. But I, again, like, growing up, like, I just took that stuff for granted. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, my mom actually had us selling friendship bracelets at hippie festivals and outing myself. <laughs> <laughs> there are photos of me where I look unrecognizable mm. in a hippie outfit. No, I'm just kidding. And I actually, like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was hella gaining... Um, uh, they call it, there's a term for this where you're absorbing skill sets that you don't even know are there. It's like a passing down from generations. Mm-hmm. And it's like secret capital or passed down ca- social capital. So I don't know. I was like, oh shit, like I hella did that stuff. And I, we, like my siblings and I made enough money at the hippie festival to go get our garlic french fries. That was our goal. That was our, <laughs> our key performance indicator, our KPI. That's an entrepreneur. Well, we already talked about back in back in the day, uh, that black people used to spend more money within the black community. How much money do you think you spend within the black community today? I mean, that's a hard question. I was reflecting on that question today. I don't, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not very much at all. I'm on a tight budget. I'm on an entrepreneurship budget right now, small business budget. So, you know, anything outside of bills is um, groceries food mm-hmm. and transportation and you know maybe some toilet paper <laughs> and that's about it so you know like I don't have I think you know for me my initial thought of course was like makers like artists clothing makers but all that stuff right now is extra jewelry fashion any of that stuff is extra for hopefully men right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so I was like okay where can I now I was like okay where can I get my necessities from black folks right and that's one of our challenges right now mm-hmm. yeah. because mm-hmm. it's existed before Hashtag Black Black Wall Street. You know, I don't, I'm like, where can I do that in Oakland? And I know, I mean, there's a few spots, but like conveniently, like realistically, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, oh, maybe I could go back to the farmer's market and like try to buy from a black vendor or or at least a brown person Mm -hmm. and get my produce there. It's more affordable. My boyfriend and I have tried to sit down and figure out like, where can we get toilet paper from a black person? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I was like, I did research on it and I'm like, I don't know where to go aside from like Mandela market yeah like where do we buy toilet paper from black people i want to buy toilet paper from black people (laughs) life goals i know but i mean like it needs to be affordable though because like i'm gonna be honest like i can't just be doing four rolls yeah for like ten dollars yeah we're women (laughs) i know thank you thank you yeah so like i hmm i would say that because i do a lot of um fairs and festivals you know i do support my fellow artists you know if I get a break and get to walk around um but I don't really I don't really buy a lot of stuff either I can't but I can't I can't say it's very much that stays in the black community either of my money 
What about for you? Yeah, it's, it's really hard when I was thinking about it. I, I definitely can't think of an amount, but I definitely would probably say 10% or less Okay. of what I spend. I spend with the black community. I This year, I've definitely made more of a effort, conscious effort to do that, but it's still hard. It's hard. It's mm-hmm. like you said, I know where I can get like clothes and jewelry and mm-hmm. things like that, but like where do I get my bread? I know. Right. Or like my Your everyday necessities. My everyday necessities. I feel like out here like and now I'm like this is a challenge. I like this challenge. Leave it in our reviews. <laughs> on our iTunes reviews where we can shop black. Also, if you're listening and you are a supplier of Toilet paper? And you're black? <laughs> and you're black? We would love to buy it from you. Or like leave your, your comment you? below. Toilet paper or bread? <laughs> all right, you guys. So well, let's wrap all this up. With this, just know that like we do have the power. We still have power. Buying power. Spending power. And that Madam C.J. Walker is part of our history. And her legacy is real. She was so much more than a fucking hot comb. Excuse my language. I was really passionate about that. We got the power. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I love that part. That's my favorite part. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, ladies. So we've we've gotten to. Mama, we made it! This part of our show is about our our hopes and dreams and what we feel like finally getting there, the pinnacle of, you know, success. What What is that moment for you? What's your mama, we made it? Well, I already discussed on my first mama, I made it. My mom is not invited on that. <laughs> so, dang. Uh, my, so, is she invited to this one? So, now to do a more PG, maybe keep a G, Mama, I made it. I think for me, I will feel like, Mama, I made it, is when I can buy things, going back to, since we're talking about buying things, buy things and not have to worry about the cost. Like, I'd be like, oh, this organic orange is $15. <laughs> oh, my God. What oranges are you buying? Please don't buy a $15 orange. <laughs> yeah, oh. we need to still be, like, I don't know what the word is. Like, oh, this organic orange is $15. Well, you know what? It's organic. It's healthy for me. I don't need to look at the price because it's organic. It's healthy for me. And how about you only spend that much money on it if it's from a black person? Boom. Yeah. no but if I can just like go shopping and not even like superficial shopping for like clothes or anything like that but like grocery store shopping and really like be not be conscious about the price yeah like that's a I made it yeah you know that like you're not gonna be stressed about it exactly Exactly. I'll still be able to be cool that's my mama I made it mama you can come with me to the grocery store I know (laughs) (laughs) Like, and can she go? Mama can come. Hope oh, what's your mama? I made it. I feel like my mama, I made it, is like all up in my feelings per the usual. It's good that I'm in the middle. Hopefully, Maddie's is positive. 
last week I talked about um, being able to provide like employment for others like in my community, which is dope to hear about Madam CJ Walker doing that. Um, my mama, I made it is when I can share, like speak my truth and share feedback or whatever. Just speak up. And I'm, I'm comfortable with making other people uncomfortable. I feel like that means I have arrived professionally. And as a business owner, it's you have to make you have to negotiate right, and you have to make sure that you get paid your worth, mm-hmm. especially as a woman of color, so a black woman. But that my my um, instinct is you know to be accommodating. I feel like I've been socialized to be accommodating. I've been socialized to be terrified of my anger to feel guilty immediately, if I show any sort of frustration or anger. And I'm trying to figure out how to release that. I will have arrived when when I can get through a situation like that and feel like cool, like it's not ruining my whole day. That's a good one. All right, when have you arrived, Madi? So mine is more like business oriented. Hey. I feel like before I'm gone off this earth, I really want to do just some really cool shit. And so I think my, you know, hopefully I get there before I'm, you know, older. Uh, My mama, I made it is like I have like five businesses under my belt that Mm. are all running smoothly. And I'm like, I don't have to worry about money. I don't have to worry about bills. I don't have to worry about paying for my children's, like, school and all of that. Like, Mm -hmm. everything is just comfortable. But, like, I'm still doing my thing. Like, I'm taking care of my family. And I just have, like, businesses under my belt. And I'm just doing really cool things. And traveling. I would love (laughs) that. I just imagine I was like imagine you at a cafe in Paris just chilling <laughs> during the daytime the little little cafe little ca- cafe and just being like someone's like oh what are you doing I'm like oh I'm a business owner mm-hmm. entrepreneur got like five businesses yeah it, well it's like it's like in this moment right now while I'm drinking this coffee I'm making like ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars just just in these 20 minutes I'm talking to you it's coming it's coming mm-hmm. I feel it that was a good, that was a powerful segment, um, a continuation of the We Have Power segment. And we'd love to get y'all's comments and feedback. And, and don't forget to leave your review down below with your, you know, toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Mari where, is really where committed. You, where you buy black, you know, things that you need every day from black people. Yes. Yes. We, uh, Mari's on a mission. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find the place. I love it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, stay fresh, y'all. We'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our show. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. And don't forget to share us with your friends because you know at least one black woman entrepreneur. And you know they're going to love us. So you can find us at justbeoak.com and on all the social media as Just Be Oak. You can find us individually as at FTD Collective, at Azteca Negra, and at Rich and Riot. Awesome. And we would like to do a few thank yous. First, we'd like to thank United Roots and Green Eyed Media for our recording space and equipment. We'd also like to thank our beat makers, Brother Ajman and Vinnie Bells. And we'd like to thank y'all, our listeners. Y'all are so awesome. Gracias.
You can find all the info from today's show in our show notes. Just look below. And we will see y'all next week. Holla. Bye. Peace out.